Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. So let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And uh, I'd like to read uh, verses 1 through to 11. All right, so the main thing we're going to talk about, and I'll have to skip through a bit on the first page as quick as I can, reasonably, and uh, particularly on the theology of it. Okay, um, uh, verse 1 of New King James. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, For me to write the same things to you is not uh, uh, tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. And he's not talking about four-legged dogs, uh, two-legged dogs in the church, but not here, okay? (laughs) Beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. Uh, We are the circumcision uh, who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if uh, anyone else thinks that uh, he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. And I want you to make a note of this uh, mentally for the moment. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, uh, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things uh, lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Uh, old King James pretty heavy on this, it counts them but dung, uh, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And I want you to make a mental note of this, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Uh, We'll come to that, so just keep it in mind at the moment. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being uh, conformed to his death by any means I I might attain I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Okay, we'll hold it there on verse 11. All right, now let's go to our notes here, and I'm going to have to move uh, through uh, the first part pretty quickly here, but uh, I want to be a little bit more theological on the uh, next page here. Okay, so our scriptural reading, introductory. Paul, in both Philippians and more especially in Romans, answers the most important questions of the patriarch Job's cry. And uh, in a couple of verses it says, Shall mortal man be more just or justified or just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Uh, And then uh, later on he says, uh, I know it is so of a truth, but how shall a man... Uh, Our woman, you know, it's uh, inclusive, be just or justified with God. So that's the whole thing, is how can we we be righteous with God or justified in God's sight since the fall? And uh, this is a question, as we get older in the Lord, uh, we realise that. Now, under letter A, I want you to note this, we're going to break this up, uh, and particularly with the deal with the third one. Three kinds of righteousness. The scriptures speak of three kinds of righteousness. Number one, self-righteousness. I'll give, uh, we'll look at that in a moment. Uh, number two, legal righteousness, or what Paul says, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. And then number three, this is the main one, and you'll have to listen carefully to me what on this, because... Uh, Uh, I just want to present, make sure that I present a balanced uh, thing on this. Uh, Because a lot of people say, well, I'm righteous in Christ, Christ is my righteousness, so it doesn't matter what I do. I say, no, your grace abuses, you're abusing the grace of God. It does matter what I do. But how do we balance that out? Faith, righteousness, and the outworking, we want to major on that. All right, let's go over to Isaiah chapter 64 and letter B now. 
on uh, self-righteousness. And uh, we all know this verse, but just in case you haven't marked it, uh, I recommend always, my Bible's so marked, I hope the writers don't feel bad about it. Say, so that Kevin Conn is always scribbling on my, on my face. <laughs> okay, Isaiah chapter 64, scripture we know uh, very well, but uh, just a brief comment on that. Isaiah 64 and verse 6. Uh, where are we? Yes. Uh, I'll read from Old King James. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses, notice it's plural, not all our righteousness, but all our righteousnesses are as filthy rag. Now, that's very hard for a self-righteous person to accept. But We are all as an unclean thing since the entrance of sin and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and uh, we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Um, On that uh, third part, I think I've mentioned this before, you know, uh, over our time here, that we all do fade as a leaf. It's interesting that when you go back to the Garden of Eden, uh, the moment Adam and Eve sinned, They wanted to make themselves presentable to God. So what did they do? They got into the fig leaf department and made fig leaves. But what would have happened to their fig leaves in due time? Exactly what it says here. We're all an unclean thing. They felt and knew they were naked. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we all do fade a leaf as a leaf. So in due time, the leaf would have uh, been faded uh, and they would have had to get another fig leaf from Myers or somewhere. Uh, So what I believe is the very fact that Adam and Eve accepted the coats of skin provided through the sacrificial substitutionary death of an innocent, sinless animal between them, the body and blood of a lamb, the very fact that they accepted the coats of skin and discarded their fig leaves, they could have said to God, oh, we like our little fig leaves, we're in the greeny movement, and, uh, but it wasn't acceptable. The only covering that God was acceptable to God was a covering provided through the body and blood of a sacrificial victim, all pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. So very, very simple things like that. We all do fade as a leaf, and iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Uh, very clear. So let me just read that little bit there. Uh, letter B, self-righteousness. Those people who believe that they are as good or as better than any, anyone or everyone else, religious or irreligious. And I'm sure you've had that said to you over the, my years when I've been uh, witnessing to people and say, well, I'm as good as all the hypocrites that go to church. In fact, I'm better than them. I pay my 20 shillings in the pound and that type of thing. Uh, you know, how many have heard something like that? You know, self-righteousness. So self is the source of their righteousness and pride is the root a cause of this self-righteousness. Okay, let's go uh, very simple on that one. Let's go to letter C. Now, in the uh, uh, Philippians chapter verse three, uh, chapter three and verse nine, a legal righteousness or legal or law righteousness. So Paul says, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, that is keeping laws, rules and regulations. And uh, I'll just read, read through this a little bit here. Uh, Paul was a Pharisee and the son of a Pharisee. And we see that in Acts chapter 23, verse 6. Uh, and I want you to turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, I spoke on this a hundred years ago, I think now, but it was a challenge to me. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20. Matthew 5 verse 20. And I'll uh, try and read from uh, New King James. It just uh, it goes on to two pages. All right, now this is a challenge and I, I, I hope it'll be a challenge to you. I'm going to spell it. Uh, I've spelled it out here. So in uh, Matthew 5 verse 20, New King James And verse 20, it says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, 
you will be no, by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, so what was the righteousness of the Pharisees? And Jesus is very strong here. Except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the, uh, uh, the scribes and Pharisees, you won't be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. So what is the righteousness of the Pharisees? All right, now, I'll just continue to read here. Jesus was very clear when he said, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees, Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. The word Pharisee means a separationist. They actually began in a uh, holiness movement, a revival, but it degenerated into legalism and externalism. That's the thing. So I want you to pick up on those words, legalism and externalism. Now, you, you must listen to all, all that I want to say tonight just to hopefully do, do, do this balance. So the word Pharisee means the separationist then. What was the, then was the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? In uh, Philippians, Paul could boast of some seven things as a Pharisee, and this was his confidence in the flesh. So I want you, uh, I want you to just put down uh, a word next to each of those seven things uh, from the... Uh, the epistle to the Philippians. Uh, so he, these are things he could boast in. They were basically religious things. Number one, circumcise uh, the eighth day. That was physical. So it was a physical sign and nobody was in the Abrahamic covenant. It was a covenant sign, the sign and seal of the Abrahamic covenant. So he was a covenant man and he'd been circumcised as a baby the eighth day. All right, number one. Number two, of the stock of Israel. It was a national thing. And you'll notice if you uh, read back, I didn't draw it to your attention, but as you read Philippians chapter three, you'll find the word things, 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 things. And he said, if anybody could boast in these things, I can boast in these things. So he could. So of the stock of Israel, so a national thing. Then of the tribe of Benjamin, and this was a tribal thing. So it's a tribal thing that he boasted in. And uh, we haven't got time to indulge in this. But as I, I've done a character study on the Old Testament Saul and the New Testament Saul. And it is really amazing that the Old Testament Saul and the New Testament Saul before he became Paul, he was, uh, from, they were from the same tribe, tribe of Benjamin. And then as we go through this character study, uh, it began with three days. Uh, the Old Testament Saul was looking for donkeys. <laughs> I think he was the biggest donkey. And then the New Testament Saul began with three days fasting, blinded by the glory of God. And the long story short, after three, uh, the end of his life, the Old Testament Saul gave into spiritism, sold himself out, committed suicide. The New Testament Saul uh, warned against spiritism, and he said, I, I, I've, got, I've gained the crown. So it's just an awesome study, and, and, and what comes across to me is that God made up for, uh, in the New Testament, Saul, what he lost in the first uh, Old Testament, Saul. That's a vast study in itself. So of the tribe of Benjamin, uh, you know, and all the, the history of that tribe, so... Uh, what do I say on that tribal? And then uh, number four, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. So I just put that as a social position. He wasn't, a, you know, a crisscross comeback like uh, as we saw last week. Timothy, he had a, a Hebrew mother, or, yeah, Hebrew mother and a Greek father. But Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Uh, and then the social. And then number five, touching the law of Pharisee. And uh, as we see later on, Pharisees were the strictest of all the uh, religious sects, uh, S-E-X-S-E-C-T. I have to say that right, because my wife was witnessing somebody up in Malaysia, uh, and we were on a train, and she was on a train and say, said, you know, they're different sex. <laughs> and Rian's feeling embarrassed, and, and then afterwards, she's sex, 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 and said, sect. Oh, he said, that's it. So, you know, she was happy and he was happy anyway. 
set. <laughs> What's that? Uh, in Russia, was it? Okay, Russia. One of those trips. Anyway, uh, yeah, so touching the law of Pharisee, number five, and I've got a religious thing. And then number six, persecuting the church as zeal. It was a fanatical thing. He was against the church, and uh, I sympathized with him a little bit because they were worshipping man <clears throat> who'd been called Lord. And the name of the Lord belonged to the Lord Jesus, belonged to the Lord God, and now they're worshipping man. So feeling that, persecuting the church, uh, fanatical. And then notice number seven, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Now, um, I'll, I'll, I'll try and remember to come back to that. So what I've got there, legal righteousness. So... We have self-righteousness. A lot of people feel they're good enough to get to heaven and they'll be as good as anybody who goes to church and so forth. And then legal righteousness. And uh, Paul lists out those. And then as you go down the notes here, uh, I'll just verbalize them here uh, for the sake of the tapeworms. Pharisees were also noted. Now remember, Jesus said, except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So challenge to me, am I self-righteousness or what? So Pharisees were noted for being teachers of the law, sitting in the seat of Moses. Jesus said, do what they do, what they say, but don't do what they do for they say and they do not. And then they prayed long prayers as a pretense. They like to be seen in the marketplace and... (laughs) I'm sure we've all been in churches like that where people would pray long prayers and they would pray against somebody. You know the brother that's in our midst, Lord, that's living like the devil. Oh, we pray that you'll convict him. Oh, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I knew who that prayer was for. They fasted twice a week. That's more than I do. They believed and practiced tithing. Nothing wrong with tithing. Uh, Matthew 23 uh, just, uh, just throw in this, Matthew twenty three twenty three. Jesus said to the Pharisees, Woe unto you, Pharisees, uh, you tithe of mint and cumin and herb. Uh, th- uh, and, but he said, you've neglected the weighty matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Then he says, these you ought to have done, that's judgment, mercy, and faith, but not to leave the other undone. So Jesus confirmed tithing. Now, I know there's so much against it today. I've got eight books against tithing. And I said to my son, I said, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, we had a, a brother in, in uh, Brisbane who used to phone me. And finally, I said to him, he said, well, tithing was a Jewish custom. And that Abraham only tied to Melchizedek because it was an, no, it was an Arab custom. I said, well, I said, let's close off the conversation. I said, there were no Arabs around. Ishmael and Esau weren't even born. So I said, I don't care whether you tithe or not. I give to the Lord. God will judge you. He'll judge me. Hang up. (laughs) That was the end of that. I think it hurt his ear. I haven't heard from him since. Anyway, anyway, just just off the cuff. Uh, they were number five were personal workers gaining converts they would compass land and sea to get one convert they wore scriptures on their arms and foreheads I mean the 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 priests the voice of the the chief priests were the loudest at the crucifixion and they had all these scriptures on their forehead crucify him and everything like that just uh, wore scriptures on their arms and foreheads uh, they enlarged the blue ham because every Jew had to wear a blue hem to remind him of the Ten Commandments. Uh, otherwise, they were stoned. They prophesied at times the fundamentals. They opposed the modernists. So as I often say, they were against the uh, Sadducees, who were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. They were the strictest sect, sect, I've got that right, of the sex of Judaism. Everybody got that right. You're thinking right out there. And number 11, they believed in the miraculous. They believed in Elijah coming before the Messiah, uh, before the Messiah came. But, everybody say but. But But they were hypocrites, external, but not internal righteousness. 
They appeared righteous. And I want you to turn over to Matthew uh, just uh, chapter 23 just for a moment here. Are you feeling challenged as I was? I said, Lord, I don't want to be a Pharisee touching the righteousness of the law blameless. Okay, if you go to Matthew chapter 23, uh, what I did in my Bible, there are eight woes on the Pharisees and the scribes. So if you want to circle them, I've, 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 I've marked them all in red. Verse 13, and woe, but woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Then he spells out what for. Verse 14, number two. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you devour widows' houses and so forth, for pretense make long prayer. Greater damnation. Uh, number three, verse 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Number, uh, verse 16, number four. Woe unto you, you blind guides, uh, blind leaders of the blind. And then uh, go down to verse uh, 23, uh, number five. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. I mean, they didn't give Jesus his credentials after this. And then verse uh, 25, number six. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. They're blind uh, Pharisee in verse uh, 26. Then uh, the next woe, uh, verse 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Uh, you're, you're whitewashed or you're white, uh, uh, whited sepulchres but in dear, but in, which indeed appear beautiful outward but are within full of dead men's bones. Uh, if you want to mark your Bible, if you haven't already done it, from uh, verse 25 onwards, I've marked the words within and outward, within and outward. So what am I outward? What am I inward? That asked my wife at home. Okay, verse uh, 28. Even so, all, so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And then the, uh, the eighth one, I think it is, verse 20, uh, 29. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. So eight times Jesus gives the strongest denunciation of uh, external righteousness, pharisaical righteousness. So uh, going back to my notes here, notice emphasis on the outside and the inside, uh, the within and without, as they were whitewashed, but not washed white. It shows that it is possible to have pharisaical righteousness and be a lost and unsaved hypocrite, or maybe even a so-called Christian. That was the challenge to me. Everybody feel jealous on that? Yeah, so what am I, you know, am I one thing on the platform or am I another thing at home? So that's it. Uh, let, me, let me just say this about, uh, about uh, a hypocrite. The uh, Greek word for hypocrite is hypokritos, something like that, hypokritos. And there were three things that characterized a hypocrite. Number one, they wore someone else's mask because uh, they would have the dramas in these little amphitheaters, and then when they would run out on the platform, they'd wear somebody else's mask. So, do I wear a mask? That's the challenge. Number two, they would play someone else's part. So whether they had to act the part of a uh, magician or... Uh, a clown or something they act play someone else's part pretending and then number three the worst thing they would speak someone else's words so they would quote the words and they quoted Moses you know Moses said this and Moses said this Moses said the woman should be stoned uh, because of adultery but what do you say we're, we're for Moses so they wore someone else's mask and they played someone else's part, and they spoke someone else's word. Wow. So, you know, for me, it's been a challenge. Do I just preach the word of God, or do I wear the mask on the platform? You know, am I playing someone else's part? 
Ask my wife. <laughs> She's my best judge on this, see? And I say, God, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to just have legal or church righteousness. How many can say amen on that? That's what we're talking about. Okay, now, let's go to the major part that I want to go to. Is letter D, are you surviving all right? I always feel guilty when I get home. Say, Lord, repent for torturing the people. All right, letter D, and this is the thing. Now, you have to listen carefully on this part. Faith righteousness. So not self-righteousness and not legal righteousness, which is of the law, obeying external rules, regulations, and this type of thing. And we can put them, I'm a very disciplined man and so forth, but uh, faith righteousness in and of Christ. Now, I've already drawn this to your attention, Philippians chapter 3, verse 9b to 11. It's a faith righteousness, not having righteousness which is of the law, Touching the righteousness of the law, I was blameless. So as you, as you sort of just uh, in your mind go through the Ten Commandments, Paul could say, touching the righteousness of the law, the external righteousness, I was blameless. It's not till you get to Romans 7 that Paul picks out one commandment, which is the root. Uh, let, let me explain a little bit here. So... Don't have any gods before me. All right, I haven't done that. Don't have any graven image. Oh, well, I don't do that. I've got no images. I don't bow to anything. Don't take his name in vain. I don't do that. On his name and people who are calling Jesus Lord, I slaughter them because uh, uh, the, the name Lord belongs to the Father, only not to any man. Man, Jesus of Nazareth. So... He was zealous on that. Uh, so he could go, honour your parents. Okay, I've honoured my parents. Don't commit adultery. I don't. Uh, I won't say what I've been like on the inside, but externally I've never, never committed adultery. Don't steal. I haven't done that. I'm a, I'm a good, stinking, rotten Pharisee. You know, external, touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. But it was only one commandment, and let me say this while it's in my mind, is that the ten commandment, uh, the nine commandments, pardon me, are the fruit of sin. Only the tenth commandment is the root of sin. So when Paul goes into Romans chapter 7, he says, I had not known sin except the law, and he goes back to the tenth commandment, says, thou shalt not covet. Now, you see, we wouldn't commit adultery, we wouldn't steal, we wouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. All that goes to the root sin. And so of the Ten, uh, the ten Commandments, the Tenth is the root of sin, because that's what Adam and Eve did. When they saw the tree was to be desired to make one wise, they partook of it. That was the root sin. And all the sins of the world have come out of that root thing along with unbelief and everything like that. But that was the act when they saw. So, the first nine are the fruit of sin, and the tenth is the root of sin. That's it. So, you know, it's used in a good sense, covered earnestly, the best gifts, but, you know, I want a bigger house, I want bigger money, or I want bigger salary or something, you know. Whatever. I want a better position. No, whatever, you know, covetousness. So notice this now, back to letter D, faith righteousness in and of Christ. It is a faith righteousness, not faith in self or works of the law, legal works. And then uh, a diagram to illustrate. Um, I haven't got, uh, I I was going to get the PowerPoint on this. Uh, Everybody should have uh, done track one. Have you done track one? All right, if you can just make a note of this on page 666, no, page 13 on knowing God. Uh, can, you, can you sort of see that a little bit? Okay, it has this diagram, and here's this guy up here. Between humanity and God, there's the great gulf fix. Okay, if you can just refer to that page, uh, you should have your notes there. And sin is the, sin is the thing that caused the great gulf. 
And then on the next diagram, we got this guy, okay, how can I get across to God? How can I bridge this gulf, that sin board? Well, maybe religion, or maybe science, or maybe philosophy, or maybe good works. Come back to that in a moment, so sin. But then the bottom diagram, if you can see that, get your binoculars out or pray for your healing. Uh, so the, the bridge between humanity and God is bridged through the cross. So as I come to God through Jesus and go through the cross, it bridges the gulf. That's it. That is so, such a simple diagram, and I'm sorry that I haven't got one for you, but if you've got that book, you can get it. Okay, now, let's go to number one here. That's my time here. Uh, there, is, there, it should be there. Uh, there is absolutely nothing, no works, that we can ever do to measure up to the perfect righteousness that God expects from his creatures. God being righteous expects righteousness. Okay? Faith righteousness became a stumbling stone to Israel. I want you to uh, turn over to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Where are there? Romans chapter 9. And uh, the last uh, uh, two or three verses. Uh, let's go to verse 30. Yeah, to 33. And I'm reading from New King James. Now, I don't feel, you know, I can overemphasize the emphasis here. But here, this is what Paul is saying because he was a Pharisee and he says, touching the righteousness of the law, blameless. But he said, not that I be found having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but having the righteousness which is by faith in Christ. That's it. Now, notice this as we develop a little bit. Verse 30. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. Everybody say that with me. Righteousness of faith. So it's not self-righteousness, it's not legal righteousness, which is the law or regulations or everything like that, though I'm a disciplined man and uh, I have certain guidelines for my life. But it's a faith righteousness. So, okay, let me read that again. Pardon me, emphasizing it. What shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to a righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But, everybody say but. But Israel... Pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. And the question is, verse 32, why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumble at that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense. And whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Why don't, why don't you put on your notes somewhere? You see, to the Gentiles, faith was a stepping stone. Faith, righteousness. I'm rotten, I'm a rotten Gentile, and I have no righteousness of my own, self-righteousness or legal righteousness. I can get circumcised, whatever. But, so for the Israel, for the Gentile, pardon, it was a, stu uh, did I say that right? No, for the Gentiles, it, the faith righteousness was a stepping stone, but for Israel, it was a stumbling stone. Please get that. So faith righteousness, righteousness in Christ it's either a stepping stone or a stumbling stone. And I can't get di diverted on this. But every visitation of God uh, over church history, what was the stumbling stone to in Martin Luther's days? A faith righteousness. Because Martin Luther was climbing up the steps on broken glass, trying to get peace with God and get justified by works. 
And he just heard this voice from heaven, Martin Luther, the just shall live by faith. But it became a stumbling stone to the Roman church. And then later on, uh, I'll give you the seed of this, but see, later on, when water baptism was introduced to the church by immersion, not sprinkling, did you know that the Calvinists and some of those men at that time, religious men, they drowned people in water baptism purposely because it was a stumbling stone. And then later on, what happened when the Pentecostal revival came? Speaking in tongues. I've got some magazines home, you know, from the fighting fundies. You know, speaking tongues is satanic, it's of the devil. Everything, it became a stumbling stone. See, either stumbling stone or stepping stone, it's our choice. That's it. So every time, you know, when the doctrine of laying of hands came, they said, oh, laying empty hands on empty heads. We don't believe on that. And when dancing before the Lord came, I mean, one guy danced around the building and broke his ankle, and they said, that's the, that's the devil. That shows that dancing before the Lord in a church meeting is not for today. Hey, I say, people have asked me, I said, Kevin, what do you think? I said, while they're fighting it, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody said, hallelujah. Yeah, so everything's a stumbling stone or a stepping stone. It's according to your faith. So that's really important to get hold of that. So for uh, Gentiles, faith, righteousness, which they didn't pursue, but they received Jesus, it was a stepping stone. But for Israel, it was a stumbling stone. Wow, that, uh, that hit me so much. I lay in Zion, a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. Jesus is the stumbling stone. He's the rock of offense. They were offended in him. They were offended when he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. They were offended and he lost most of his congregation right then. They were offended. Said, are we a bunch of cannibals? I had a question from an email the other day. What do you think about transubstantiation? And the body and blood of Christ, this is my body, and it turns into actual body and actual blood. I said, you've got to read verse 63. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. No spirit, no life, just words. That's it. The words I speak unto you are spirit and life. All right, now, okay, so everybody clear on that? So faith righteousness became a stumbling stone to Israel, a stepping stone to the Gentiles. Okay, now when we go to number three here, Abraham, the father of the faithful, and David the king were justified or made righteous by faith. So let's go over to Romans chapter four while you're in Romans. Are you, are you enjoying this? Are you getting something out? I mean, I've been challenged to say... Just all afresh over it. Okay, uh, Romans chapter 4. Oh, where do you stop, stop on this? Uh, I put down the whole chapter. You'll have to read there. Uh, we won't read it all here. What, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about. Now, I want to come to the works and use the whiteboard in a uh, little while, but not before God. So we can't boast in any of our works. It doesn't matter whether they're religious works or whatever. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as death. And then he says, but to him who does not work, but believes on him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man. And remember, David was an adulterer. He should have been stoned to death and a murderer to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. 
Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. And then the whole chapter and go on, goes on. And, and let's go to the end of the chapter because uh, this chapter when I was in the hospital having my triple bypass and I thought I was going to die and leave all those credit cards to rain. Oh, I thought, please, God, have mercy on me. When they, what's that? And then she'll leave them to the Antichrist. Yeah, and then leave them to the Antichrist. I don't mind that part. And then, uh, you know, and then they put me in a rehabilitation center because I had a slight stroke and all those miserable things. And I had a wheelchair and then a walker and all that type of thing. That was a real test. So uh, Romans 4 was quickened to me. I said, well, Lord, give me something. And did you know that in Romans 4, I'm just indulging here, uh, let you know I'm a human being, the word dead is used four times, the word dead, because I was feeling pretty dead, you know. And, uh, you know, Abraham considered not his own body now dead. Then number two, he considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. Number two. Then number three, uh, God, but he believed in God who raised Jesus from the dead. The dead, 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 dead. And then this is the verse that uh, helped me. Uh, Verse 23 of the same chapter. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus from the dead. <laughs> that, that's it. I do believe. I'm pretty dead. I'm fairly dead, you know. But dead, dead, dead. But believe. Trust in God. Faith. That's the, the whole chapter that needs to be read. Yeah. Okay, now, let's uh, keep going. I'm sorry about this. So, uh, number three, Abraham, father of the faithful, and David the king, were justified and made righteous by faith. And now I want you to go back to Romans chapter 10. How are we doing on time? Oh, okay, we're doing all right. Romans chapter 10. Now, there's four particular things I've spelled out here, and this will really help me as we continue on. Faith righteousness. Okay, uh, uh, number four now, we're on. Romans 10. Verses 1 to 4, only because of time, then verse uh, 5 to 23. All right, now notice this. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is what? Everybody say it with me. That they might be saved. Now, I've been in churches, and it's a big thing in the States, and some uh, say, well, any church that doesn't pray for the peace of Jerusalem is under the curse of God. I say, look, I pray for Israel every day. And do you know what I pray? Verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is what? That they might be saved. So we're all safe to do that. If you want to pray for Israel or Africa or America or Ethiopia, fine with me. Pray for somebody, you know, on on the mission field. But if you pray for Israel, I pray that they might be saved. That's it. Because, see, I had a brother come to me when I was the sergeant major or senior minister of Waverly Christian Fellowship in those days. He said, God has one way for Israel. They are going to be saved by sight. And one way for the Gentiles, they are going to be saved by faith. I said, no, we all have to come to God through Christ and be saved by faith. Well, you're anti-Semitic. You're Hitler's son-in-law. I said, no, I'm not. I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm not anti-Jewish. I say, just that they might be saved. Everybody said amen? amen. Or oh me? Okay. Depends where you are. All right. So, continuing. Verse uh, 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. I pray that every morning with about t- uh, 12 other nations I pray for. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Now, I've broken the next couple of verses up. There's four things, and I've spelt them out in your text there. Number one, for they being ignorant 
of God's righteousness. So I've capitalized the word ignorance of God's righteousness. Most people are ignorant. Oh, when I get to heaven, God's love, God will just welcome me into heaven. Yeah, I'm good enough. I'm as good as the hypocrites that go to church. Just a minute. Ignorance of God's righteousness. Number two, and seeking to establish their own righteousness. See, when you are ignorant of God's righteousness, you go about to establish your own righteousness. Does that make sense? See, ignorance leads to establishing your own righteousness, whether it's self-righteousness or legal righteousness or being religious or something like that. That's what we're talking about. Number three, seeking to establish their own righteousness. Number three, uh, number three they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. See, if we're ignorant and we go about to establish our own righteousness, then we won't submit to the righteousness. I have submitted to the righteousness of God. How many can say amen? You all should say amen on that. That's why you're here tonight. Because it's not our righteousness or legal righteousness, all the commandments, anything like that. It's uh, I've submitted that's it. Submission. Oh, wow, that's a, that's, that's a powerful message right there. Then, verse 4 is the last part. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That's it. That's worth a hallelujah. Christ is the end of the law. So when we ask people in an altar call or whatever and say, would you accept Jesus? Come to Christ. We're asking, leave your self-righteousness or your legal righteousness and come and accept God's righteousness in Christ. I put another scripture down here uh, just before we take a break. Uh, where is it? Um, uh, Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians. You're doing all right? Uh, Second Corinthians, sorry, Second Corinthians, chapter five. Second Corinthians, chapter five. I was just reading this as I was finalizing preparation for tonight. So, Second uh, Corinthians, chapter five, and we'll pick up in uh, oh, ver- verse seventeen. We'll do. Where do you start with Paul? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Or creature, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and are becoming new. Uh, they say on that. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, in other words, uh, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and is committed unto, uh, unto us the word of reconciliation. Now listen to verse 20 21. Now, that we are, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin. What for? that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I don't know how that hits you. So I, I sit here tonight, in Christ, God sees me righteous. Okay, now we'll balance all that in a moment, but he sees me righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Everybody can say that? Amen. Amen. So no self-righteousness, no legal righteousness. It's all in Christ. I've accepted him. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. I believe, you believe. That's it. Now, remember, I didn't understand this truth when I was first saved. But as I said before, and I said at the beginning, the saying, it is true whether we feel it or not. It's still true. It's true of the youngest believer and the oldest believer, it's still true. Um, I remember years ago, 
a uh, brother was preaching uh, at Meiji and Thomas going to be with the Lord. And uh, he asked everybody, how many are trying to be Christians? And up with my, both my hands and both my feet, you know. So let me ask you a question. How, how many are trying to be Christians here? Put your hand up. I ask you a question. Put your hand up if you're trying. Give it up. That's what the brother said to me. And I thought, give up trying. You know what he said? It revolutionized my life. And uh, we may uh, take a few minutes of your time here. You know what he said? That revolutionized my life. You know what the Christian life is? It's not us trying to be Christians. He said the Christian life is the life Christ lived then, lived by him now in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's it. So I gave up trying to be a Christian. For years, I had heard about being in Christ, but I'd never been taught about Christ in you. So let me say it again. It's well worth remembering. The Christian life is the life Christ lived then, lived by him now in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's it. It's revolutionary. And we don't hear much of it, but it's true. Oh, okay. All right. So Christ is the end. Of, uh, back, back to uh, the paragraph uh, on, on, on uh, end of four. So ignorance leads to religious or legal or self-righteousness and lack of submission to Christ, which who is God's righteousness personified. And I'll give you scriptures. Who is made unto us wisdom and righteousness. Christ, uh, and one of the redemptive names of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jeremiah chapter 25, verse uh, 5 and 6. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. So when we accept the Lord Jesus Christ, we accept the Lord our righteousness. Okay, now you say, okay, danger on that, Kevin. Where's the balance? Let's finish on this. I'm taking a few minutes of your time here. I'll give you a bit longer. Okay, letter E. Now, in my mind, because I've seen some what I call grace abusers, well, I'm righteous in Christ. It doesn't matter what I do. I can live like, you know, where grace abounds, um, you know, more, uh, where grace abounds, more sin abounds. So more I sin, uh, I'm not trusting my righteousness. No, we don't do that. That's grace abuse. Now, I've got three words here. Uh, you're going to have to read it between now and the second coming. Imputed, inwrought, and outworked righteousness. So number one, imputed righteousness. Number two, inwrought righteousness. Number three, outworked righteousness. Would you like to take a break? And I'll come back to that. I, I think I better. I, I feel I'm rushing too, too much. Okay, take a break for 15 minutes. God bless you. Go and get some fresh air. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.